listening to the Boise Talks podcast, a podcast about faith, life, mission, and other stuff, with your host, Adam Boyce. Well, welcome back, people. I've got my good friend, Mr. Buckle. Actually, no, he's, not, he's been renamed over the summer, Mr. Buckle Buckle. But that's a different story. Come on, you know, man's so nice, you have to say it twice. Yeah, Mr. Buckle Buckle. It's like a knighthood, isn't it? Mm. Mr. Buckle Buckle. Brother, it's been a, a minute since I wanted to get you on there. And here we are. And to be honest, I don't know where to start. I've got no script, I've got no notes. And then you feel like you know somebody and you just... Mm. <laughs> but we'll soon see. We will. Politics is mad at the moment, though. Mm. It just feels like... And I never used to be really into politics until one day, just after the Brexit campaign, I listened to an episode of um, James O'Brien. I think I was on my way to Dagenham, on my way to work. It was like, right, that's what this is all about. And then I started to do some research and I started to get into politics. But where, where do you think we should sit in terms of politics? Because I had a, de- had a debate with some young people recently and we all came to the conclusion that we should be kind of politically homeless or we feel like we are because conservatives are more traditional, Labour are more this and da 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 da. Mm. But as believers, mm. where do you think we should sit when it comes to politics? Ah, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, and it's an interesting place to start. Um, I mean, I could start with when you're using nappies and... Well, no, no, it's not even that. I, I guess, let me, Mr. Buckle, a.k.a. Ephraim, um, once upon a time, e minor. Come on. And, yeah. There's several other names, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we not, don't mention it for legal reasons. Not for the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ones, yeah. You know them <laughs> ones. The names you get called. Um, and... So where do I think we sit as believers in terms of politics? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Simple. Jesus. It's like I heard, I think it was Tim Keller say that um, basically if you kind of looked at it in left and right terms, blue and red terms, um, Jesus was too red for the blue and too blue for the red. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of purple mode. You know what I mean? And I think that... Um, there is a level at which we can identify and relate to um, both sides of the spectrum. And we have to be prayerfully discerning as to who we feel based on the options given Mm. is gonna be the best candidate to represent godly interests. Mm. Mm. And that might differ dependent on the time and the candidate. And so I'm not really one for saying, yeah, we should be liberals or we should be conservatives or I think we should put Christ first. Mm, mm. Jesus is the position mm, we should take. Mm, amen, amen. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people don't like that kind of answer because it leaves it too open. We like to be told, this is the box you should be yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the box you should resist or oppose. And, you know, we, we kind of polarise things very easily, especially mm. these days. Mm. So on that level, I, I think that um, I'll just say Jesus is the answer. But that is very open, though. Yeah, yeah. He's very open. So in terms of, for example, putting your your cast, casting a, a, a vote in a ballot, Jesus isn't on the paper. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, personally, I I guess sometimes I do, I guess I, I've never voted Conservative and I probably never will. Mm. So I guess I am kind of not blindly voting, but it's like bet the devil you know or bet, I don't know, less of the two evils kind of thing. Mm, mm. But I guess you do have to go with your convictions 
Where do convict where does convictions come into right. it in terms All of right. so let me break it down more specifically then. So on that level I think that um first and foremost, there are certain values that are held by conservatives that are righteous. So they can often stand more for family values, the nuclear family, healthy work work ethic, all of which are supported by scripture. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whilst at the same time there are clearly values that um, liberals would hold or more socialist values that are also supported by scripture in terms of being kind to the poor and helping others and so on and so forth. So, and that's oversimplifying both mm, yeah, sides yeah, of the spectrum. Yeah. And so on that level, it, there, it's, it's clear that actually they both have some good. They both have some kind of representation of righteousness. Mm-hmm. But then there are some aspects which are conflicting so you might look at identity politics from the left and say that conflicts too much with a biblical view of humanity. Mm, mm. Um, and then you might look at certain economic values on the right and say that it actually fuels greed and materialism and um, a, a very selfish, self-centered approach to life, which conflicts with the, the values of community and, and you know, to togetherness and supporting one another, etc. And so on that level, you then have to make a choice at any given point in time, which candidate is going to most now recognizing that none of them are Jesus. Amen. So none of them are going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And no party is going to be perfect. And the system that we have at present in it's 2022 far is far mm. from perfect and far from representative. But this is where we're at. And so each individual then must vote according to their conscience. Amen. And there are going to be other things. It, it could be family experience because you come you come up from the bottom or you're on your way up from the bottom still, you know what I mean? And feel like I, re- I relate to the sufferers, the strugglers in life, not the ones who are born with privilege and opportunity. And I feel like the left most represents us. And then you'll have others who say, you know what? Families worked hard and all that we have in terms of generational wealth quote unquote has been worked for it hasn't been handed to us and we're not trying to just throw that away easily because we work hard for it parents suffered grandparents suffered Mm. in order for us to Mm. be able to have Mm. this and so i'm gonna vote blue people both are legitimately able to make that choice before god and not be in sin and so i think that it's less helpful to try and polarize and, and and be simplistic you as a believer you should sit in this camp and if you don't are you even really serious about your christianity mm, mm. etc you know it's um, it's not helpful all right we're finished enough about politics and it was that was an interesting place to start <laughs> yeah 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 very. But, um so where, where where do you hail from brother where did you grow up born and raised in south london oh that myself um, okay i was literally born in clapham south opposite the tube station there used to be a hospital there um, called South London I Hospital. I thought he was going to say a restaurant or something opposite the tube. <laughs> <laughs> One of them emergency births. Um, no, nah, so there, yeah, there was a hospital there. Um, they've turned it into flats now, but it's literally opposite the tube station. And so my earliest memories are growing up in Clapham before gentrification mm-hmm. and Brixton. I grew up with my grandmother who was already retired when she took care of me or took me into her care. So there were often times when I was living with my aunts in, in or my aunt in Brixton 
So I was kind of between juggling both between places. the two. Yeah, yeah. Both I, I tend to say kind of both ends of Acre Ling. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's true. You know yeah, because got clap himself one end, Bri- yeah, yeah, Brixton yeah. at the other end. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's that's where I grew up and um, went to primary school um, just off on on uh, Kings Avenue and went to my first secondary school was in Ballam, uh, aka Hydeburn back then or formerly known as Hydeburn and became Chestnut Grove, I think a year oh, after yeah, I no, left. Chestnut Grove, yeah. Now to, to us, this is all, I know all these places. I had an yeah. aunt and cousin on Kings Avenue. Grandmother used to work on Acre Lane, D Best Bakery, oh, Best right. Patties yeah. in town. Come on. Uh, so, but yeah, to yeah. other people, they're gonna, they're gonna be frantically Googling in Acre Lane to see these two ends of it, so. Yeah, yeah. What was secondary school like for you? So I spent my first year at Chestnut Grove, as it became known, and then went to London Nautical which was in Blackfriars, in between Waterloo Bridge and Blackfriars Bridge, almost literally. And at that point in time, I went to live with my dad. And so, you know, his thing was to try and, we had originally, when I was younger, talked about joining the Air Cadets and so on. But I ended up joining the Sea Cadets and kind of getting an appetite for naval things. Mm. And so went to that school and it was a state school, despite it being you know, uniquely nautical, mm. but it was um, supposed to be of a kind of better standard than most of the state schools in South London, you mm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so um, I went there from what used to be old money, second year, um, year eight, and went through my schooling. And you know what, I mean, it, it was interesting because um, one of the things about being in school at that time, in that school at that time was that there was not even a handful of us as black youths that were in the school. And so that had, you know, in that season that had its challenges. Um, like what, what was what was the chan- some of the challenges that you went through as one of six? So, yeah, not even six, brother. Literally, when I say <laughs> a handful, I don't well, even say you could count on one being generous. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? There were, I don't think there were more than five of us in the school that was were black at that time when I started. And evidently, being in the minority... In, in such a way. And at that time in life, there was a deal of racism that mm. came with that. Sometimes overt, I remember there was one guy who was really, he just used to hassle me. He was older than me. But he, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't exceptionally big for my age, but he was maybe a little smaller for his age. So even though he was a couple of years older than me, I think he was three years older than me he was probably about my size or a bit smaller. And so he used to give me grief. And so one day I ran him down <laughs> in the playground. I ran him down and I was just like, no. Nah, enough is enough this. is enough I'm is enough is this. enough. But the thing is, I didn't want to fight him. It wasn't like we was going to go to war. You, you know just what wanted I mean? to make him know, didn't it? No, it's not. I wanted to understand. I wanted to know. Like, bro, what have I done to you? What's the problem? Why are you so bad, man? You know what I mean? I'm, mm. I'm just here kicking ball, trying to, you know what I mean? And you've always got something to say. And as much as I was chasing him, he was running from me whilst he was playing football. So he kind of made it look like he was playing football, mm, but he was mm, running mm, from me. Mm. And then I kind of cornered him and I was just like, bro, what's your issue? You know what I mean? What, what have I done to you? And he was like, Ah, uh, your lot are all the same. And I said, what do you mean your lot? I'm not, I ain't, 
I'm not no lot. I'm an individual. Mm. I'm a single person Come on. standing here in front of you. So I don't know who you mean by your lot because mm. I don't represent anyone and else. I'm standing that, yeah. here yeah. in front of you. What have I, I done to you? And he was like, oh, no, your lot, you know. And I was like, no, 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 come on. Let's have, let's talk the talk. And so he eventually ignored the game because he could see that I wasn't coming with aggression. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? It was reasoning. I'm trying to reason with him. And so I'm like, it seems like you've really like had a bad experience. What's the deal? And he, I said, I don't want to fight you. I'm not going to fight you. Like, that's not what this is about. And you're right, Nico. That's an interesting sentence that he put together and gave to you. You lot are all the same. So you're right. Behind that has to be a lived experience exactly. of you lot. Exactly. So lo and behold, long story short, he said that his sister was raped by a black guy. And I was like, that's despicable. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, agreed that it was unacceptable that whatever was due to come to him should come to him. But we're not all the same. Mm. You know what I mean? And from that conversation, we became friends. You know what I mean? And so even on occasions when others might try and like pick on me, mm. he would intervene. Mm. You know what I mean? And he had a certain amount of respect among his peers in his year group and whatnot. And so they would listen to him and he'd be like, nah, 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 leave her from me. He's all right. Leave him, leave him, leave him. He's cool. He's cool. He's cool. You know what I mean? And so, so it, that, but that wasn't an uncommon experience in school in terms mm. of, um, but it wasn't, um, I guess we, I knew how to assimilate, you know what I mean? And that's how it was for most of us as black children in the school as uh, as, as extreme minority. We knew how to code switch. We knew mm. how to, you know, assimilate into the community in ways that, to be honest, caused me to even have my own identity crisis in terms of who am I as an individual. And at that age, it wasn't that deep. But I think as I grew up, even as I grew up around my cousins and we grew up like siblings and like a lot of them would be into reggae music and so mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And I you could not to relate Duran to that. <laughs> bruv, I was listening to Duran Duran and I mean, they, 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 they bang, yeah, bruv, Duran Duran, they're you, you one of the best bands ever, yeah. Bro, some top tunes, mm -hmm. bruv. Mm -hmm. I'm going to still I mean? pay them. Yes. So that was, you know, mm. and so, and for one of my cousins would, would was, was at boarding school. And so every time he came home in, in the holidays, he was always updating me on art and culture. Mm. And mm. it was always Duran Duran <laughs> and all of them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I never really had an appetite for culture outside of what, was perceived as the norm or what fitted mm. the majority culture. You know what I mean? And I, I was not, reggae, I used to call it boof boof music. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? Okay. It was like, I couldn't, I couldn't have told you Bob Marley from Beres Hammond. Mm. I could not have, you know what I mean? No, no understanding and no interest, you know? It's interesting because you say about the identity struggle. <clears throat> um, recent, I think it was yesterday or the day before, one day, day this week, uh, a, a labor an asian la um labor mp mm, i saw that uh, yeah made the comments about um the current chancellor of the exchequer quasi quasi Quart 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 yeah mm -hmm. um who's of ghanaian british-born ghanaian i believe did she say something like he's superficially superficially black, black. 
And so again, I was listening to James O'Brien, who accidentally happened to be on the radio when I was driving on the way to work yesterday. And one of the callers that called in was was a black guy. Actually, no, it wasn't James O'Brien. It was it was on the way to work this morning. It wasn't James O'Brien. It was the guy that's on before him, Nick Ferrari. Okay, yeah, yeah. Who obviously we're talking talk, chalk and cheese politically and yeah. in terms of their views most of the time. And this guy's point that he was making as a British-born black guy was that it's possible for a British-born black person to go to a school like Eton or like London Orbital, as you said, I think he said it was called, mm-hmm. and be around majority white people. And in Quasi's case, he was at Eton, so you've got upper-class royalty, you've got the elite. Um, so it's a, di- a different world from the white people that you would have been going to school with. Mm. And have and I basically have an identity crisis and basically not come out of that school not the same type of black guy that he is and Nick Ferrari was sort of up in airs oh no 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 that's racism but what you're saying is is that obviously it that it is possible to yeah I think I think people if people don't understand that they have a one-dimensional view of quote-unquote race Mm. oh yeah there isn't a sort of first of all Race is a construct that's devised by humans. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Ethnicity is more accurate a term, and ethnicity is a spectrum. You can be one ethnicity, you can be another, you can be a mix. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and then you also, in addition to that, have culture, mm-hmm. which is another thing altogether. And so you can have people of the same ethnicity who are of very different cultures. So there's no such thing as a sort of monolithic black culture, wh- mm. which is just one size fits all black people. Mm. Just as there isn't a monolithic white culture mm. where one size fits all white people. You know what I mean? And so you can have someone who is black skinned, ethnically of you know West African origin, let's just say, and yet their culture is very different to the person st- standing next to them mm. who is of the same ethnicity and cultural heritage. So people's own experience will will very much, you know, I've, I've been friends with um, individuals who have been fostered. Mm. So as a ch- black child fostered by white parents. And for them, they had no exposure to their culture of heritage. Mm. And so they don't identify with it and they don't relate to it mm. in any way that means anything to them. Now, they're not supposed to be penalized or castigated for that. You know what I mean? That's just their experience. Mm. And, you know, m- maybe there's an opportunity for learning there. Some would say a necessity. That's debatable. How, m- how much of that do they need to know? And how much of it is would be beneficial? Mm. Now, people have to answer that for themselves. That's not really for me to answer. But mm. from that point of view, I think that I can understand where the MP's coming from because when you consider the sort of predominant ex- um, pre- predominant experience of black people in the UK and what has been experienced in terms of racism and so on and so forth, mm. and, you know, it's, it's clearly documented. It's not just a matter of perception. Mm. You know, the sus laws, um, institutionally racist police, mm. reports have been done and so on and so forth. It's such that when you have somebody as a black person who not only hasn't experienced that, but also doesn't recognize that as being a a real experience for Mm. people, 
And for reasons that are beyond their own control and power, beyond their own choosing. It's not as if somebody is persecuted by the police, but they live a very criminal lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? There is something that comes with that lifestyle that would, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. tend toward that. Now, there's still conversations to be had around... Profiling. Profile, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. I mean, that's a fundamental tenet of law. And we just saw in the um, Chris cover shooting that it's it's almost as if the police can... Judge, ins- jury, executioner. Judge, yeah. jury, and executioner. And you're just like, hold on a second. You know, that same kind of approach isn't taken to white-collar criminals. Mm. You know what I mean? They, they have their day in court, mm. you know? And so there's issues with the way in which um, certain institutions outwork their policies and so on, no doubt. And that, because it's actually influenced by their perception of an individual because of the colour of their skin, they assume that the colour represents a certain behavioural lifestyle, a certain pattern of, of life that is consistent with what they recognise to be mm. a threat and so mm. on, mm. without considering, even if they don't want to consider the individual, just considering their own policies. Mm. You know what I mean? Because mm. the policies are supposed to neutralise, to depersonalize it. Mm. If you've got a policy, you know, that says someone's innocent until proven guilty, then that's how you're supposed to approach everyone. Mm. You know what I mean? It's funny because one of the callers was, um, and we are going to move off of this in a second. It seems like we've gone from politics to school back to politics. Well, but, it's um, all the same, it? It's all like, politics. Yeah, still. it's all politics. Life is politics. Yeah. <clears throat> but one of the callers was saying um, that Quasi, so I don't mispronounce his surname again, um, had to have, as a black man in a white space and an elite white space, had to have experienced, just by definition of that being, had to have experienced racism, prejudice, etc., etc. And Nick wouldn't have it. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? So he doesn't, ex- he, Nick wasn't accepting that um, Quasi would be experiencing that in that space. Another caller was saying, it's, and it's fascinating hearing all these different views. Another caller said that um, th- that quasi doesn't that, that most people most people I don't know how he quantified that but a lot of black people's issues with somebody like quasi and you heard the same about Preeti Patel etc cetera, etc cetera, was that a black man in that space of influence and power doesn't stand up and represent your everyday black person um, especially when and to the extent where it's one thing staying silent but when you even speak against things like institutional racism etc cetera, etc. Cetera, you've gone to a next level of distancing yourself from your people, was their point. Yeah, and... Whoever your people are, I mean, even that in itself is... Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, I can understand the sentiment and the inability to relate, you know, from the Chancellor's point of view to those who... The common experience of your everyday black person the inability to relate is definitely seen as um, somewhat offensive, maybe, because even if that's even if you've not come from that background, by reason of arriving at the place of of power that you have, there ought to be some at least homework done to kind of appreciate and understand. You know what I mean? Um, the reality is that people make choices. And sometimes um, we are the benefit benefactors of the choices of others 
So no doubt, I'm sure his ability to have that kind of education and upbringing was the choice of his parents, and they had the opportunity to offer that. Not everybody has that, you know? And so uh, in that space, even in terms of um, experiencing racism, he, just like anyone, you can choose to be offended or not. You can choose to, to take it on board or not. And for some people, it's a, a much more difficult choice to make because it's so overt and so oppressive. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. um, and so everybody has different journeys, but the reality is that um, there's a level at which we unfortunately live in a society where we have these categories and um, they mean something. Mm. Um, mm. They're not just notional ideas. They are experiences that mm. people go Real through. lived experience. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so yeah. I think that, you know, I, I feel it for him because in some ways he's kind of in a catch-22. You know, he didn't choose his upbringing, so he can't be blamed for that. Mm. And yet at the same time, there is a level at which you can't really blame someone for saying, bruv, think about people who look like you and what we go through. Mm. Not we. There's only few of us that have had the opportunity to have the privilege that you've had. Because mm. privilege exists of course. In, among all ethnicities. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, in, if anything, it probably speaks more about how we deal with power you know what I mean? Mm. And privilege in life. Mm. And, you know, that's something that fundamentally the Lord spoke to uh, uh, with all of these issues, mm. you know? And for me, that's, you know, when I, you know, chased my Marana playground, <laughs> I was very much informed by my Christian upbringing, you know? And it's not that I was looking to turn the other cheek to him, but I wasn't trying to take vengeance on him either. That's the Lord. Amen. Do you get what I'm Amen. saying? Amen. And so in that on that level, even though I don't think at that point I I had committed my life to the Lord, I had enough salty influence in my soul mm -hmm. from um the influence of my grandmother and to to to, to moderate how I respond responded in the face of racism. Mm -hmm. And I had enough sense of self as as an image bearer of God to not feel completely wiped out and oppressed by the racism mm. I've, I experienced, you know? Mm. So yeah, I feel, I, I'm grateful for all that the, the Lord sowed into my life through my gran. Amen. I could, I, could, I could stop there and we've just spoke about politics for half an hour. Boom, there's an episode of Boise Talks. So I'm gonna, we're gonna wrap up the rest of your life in three minutes, I'm joking. So grandmother raised you, then you moved in with your dad. Where, where's mum in? Yeah, that's a good so question. How did you end up with your grandma? At, at what age was that? Sorry, I was three months old. So my dad and my mum went in a serious relationship. They were young, and um, my mum left me with my gran when I was three months old. So this is this is your mum's mum. This is my dad's mum. Yeah, okay. Right, so okay. for years, I did not know my mum at all, or her people, for her family, or her side. It was a void. You know what I mean? That whole um, side of the family. And so it wasn't until the Lord connected us about 10 years ago that I actually even knew who my mum was, it, which is a madness in and of itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, it was uh, just a little before my 40th birthday. I think it might have been the June. My birthday's in July. And long story short, m Judith, my wife, was doing a random search on Google using my name and then turned it into an image search and then saw a face that kind of just stood out to her. She, 
that she didn't recognize. Mm. And as she was moving towards that face, she moved across the face of my mum, but didn't know it was my mum. And one of those little kind of tip things, like the tool tips, like the um, or oh, the image. I don't mean the image. When when you when you cursor goes over something and then yeah, yeah some information pops, pops up. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so my dad's name popped up, and so she looked and she looked at the picture, and this is what she said to me: as soon as I looked at the picture properly, I knew that was your mum. Now I was away at a pastor's conference up in New York, and so I had no idea this was going mm-hmm. on. And I was driving back from the conference and she was like, Ephraim, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah, I'm driving. She's like, I think you better pull over. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why, go on? Like, this time on. your heart starts you to race. I, mean? I said, listen, no, no, because I didn't even know what she was talking about. It was just random, yeah, completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. utterly uh, random. Uh. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I said, all right, look. And she said, no, I was doing some searching on the internet and uh, I think I found your mum. And at this point, had you searched for mum, looked for mum? Where, where was you at with the void at forty-something so years old? When I had my when I had my girls, I got two daughters, Kian and Chloe, and they're adults now, and they were adults at the time. But when I had my girls, I was like, ah, uh, you know what? Um, I should probably make some effort for their sake. To fill I, their I, void because they've inherited the void, haven't exactly. they? Exactly, because mm. I kind of felt like I'd I'd worked my way through it, mm. and as a so we big man think. with my kids, yeah. Well, so we think, mm. but as a big man with my kids, it was like it wasn't a dire need, you know mm. what I mean? Mm. But for their sake, let me try. And so connected with the Salvation Army, and I think there was one other organization, and they're supposed to be really good. And there was like, you don't have enough information mm. for us to begin to even really. You know what I mean? Mm. Start a proper search. So I just canned it. So what did you like, have then? What was I just had a her name and the area that she lived in. That's, that's literally her first name and surname and the area that she lived in, and that was it. Mm. So there was no postcode, there was no date of birth, there, there was, was no, no house that you knew she lived no, in. No, 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 yeah. no, no. You get what I'm saying? So um I never thought of it again after that because it was just like it's gonna be it's a a non-starter so I pulled over and you know Judith explained she'd been doing this search she clicked on it it took her to a Facebook page and on the Facebook page it was a family finder section of Facebook basically through that found out that it was my mum sent messaging and yeah that just that's an episode in itself so amen amen um and so yeah that that's how I first met my mum and um, so going back to the, the three three month old, so you you had no concept of mother other than grandma exactly. on dad's side growing up. Exactly. And what what was that like? You know they say you you don't miss what you don't know. True, true that. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I I love my grand like my mum, and you know I, there's probably things that because she was elderly that I didn't experience, but my life never lacked love. Mm. You know what I mean? And that has been like my stability, you know? Um, And so, yeah, growing up, I didn't feel like, you know, it's mad because them days, it's like people would be just out. If if there's any kind of cussing going on, they're cussing your mum. They would get frustrated because I would agree with them. 
So they, did, they had nothing more they could say. You know what yeah, I mean? and, and she's this as well. You uh, missed yeah, that, this. Exactly, yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And so it's like, that's, that's how it was. Because there's nothing there me. to hurt. There was no hurt in that, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, there was no no one I was trying to protect. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And no one's honour I was trying to, uh-huh. like, you know what I mean? But if they mention grandma now, well, different conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Which they never had the presence of mind to do. Mm-hmm. So on that level, it's like, I didn't, I didn't, it, it was what it was, mm. you know what I mean? The Lord had provided someone who cared for me. And obviously it meant that being elderly and a, as a pensioner, we didn't have stuff, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, sometimes it was hand to mouth, clothes was hand-me-downs. Mm. It was like, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, there was the odd time as I was growing up, I'm like, tired of wearing my cousin's <laughs> hand-me-downs. I mean, it's like I'm starting to care about what mm, I wear. Mm, 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 mm. You know, when you're young, young, you don't think about primary school. Things, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean, yeah, you're wearing yeah. kung fu slippers, like you know, <laughs> and like you're a kung fu fighter. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. But then you kind of get a bit older, and you want some Diodorus Swag or kicks in. you know what I mean, yeah. feeler mm. top or something. You know what I mean, and you, you can't reach it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I remember my first pair of name brand trainers was a Jeez. pair of Puma, Puma Blue Jays. I think they were. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, to this days. day, I remember that. And it's a thing where it was a moment. You know what I mean? Like, man's got branded trainers, not no... Did you, did you used to keep them in the box? Bruv, I wore them out until they couldn't wear no more, <laughs> until they was talking, until the, the front was flapping. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wore them out, bruv, because I felt like I was something when I... <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Where did that come in? So you start living with dad... When you was when you when you started secondary school, was dad on the scene then, or did dad suddenly come back on the scene? Nah, so he was always in and out of my life. Mm. He'd he would be like I remember him when I was like real young before I started primary school, just before I started primary school, and then he kind of was out of the picture for a few years, and then he would kind of be in and out. So he was always kind of hovering around in the shadows, in and out of my mm. life, um, and then he kind of settled himself down. And then wanted, you know, he was like, I want you to come and live with me. And so it was a conflict. There was literally court case, custody case and everything. Oh, so you know he I mean? fought for you to come live with him? Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah, want to go and yeah, live yeah. with him? Um, it, was a, it was a conflict, bro, because I love my grand to mm. the bone. You know She's what I mean? She was mum and dad at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so I didn't want to leave my grand, but then it was a whole new world with my dad. And mm. it's like all of this sort of wide-eyed opportunity. Mm, mm. And so it's like, ah... And so my dad won the case fundamentally. And so I went to live with my dad. And how either did, way- How did that affect grand, your relationship with your grandma? Um, you know what? I think that, my well, my grand never ever showed me any ill feeling or face. Disapproval. Or none mm, at mm, all whatsoever. Mm. Family did. Oh my gosh. It was like the end of the world, mm. you know what I mean? How could you leave your gran and she, when you could be helping her? Because obviously she's elderly, isn't it? So mm. it's not just that she's my caregiver, I'm her caregiver mm. as well, mm. Mm. you know what I mean? Mm. And, ah, oh, bruv, it was absolutely, yeah, I got murdered in that sense. Um, but on the other hand, I'm going to cadets, putting on uniform and having experiences and going sailing and canoeing and visiting naval bases and doing all this stuff, you know what I mean? That so your quality of life has improved by living with the dad that was never there that suddenly wants to in, in a be sense, dad. He wasn't a Christian. Let me just make that clear. You mm. know what I mean? He wasn't a Christian. Mm. 
Um, but he had aspirations for me. Mm-hmm. And part of that was kind of connecting with the military. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so on that level, um, I was having new experiences, you know, that I, I could only have dreamt of. Mm. And it was nice, you know what I mean? And what, what was your relationship like with your dad though? What was it like, this dad that was in and out, in and out, in and out, suddenly he's in, fighting to get in. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. suddenly it's you and him, you know, it's door funny, closes. It's funny because my dad was a young dad, so I felt he was really relatable and, um, He's my dad in it. So there's much I'm looking at with through tinted glasses. Mm. He was a mm. mechanic, so he was always had cars. There was he was always people around him because he was he could do something for yeah, them. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he could yeah. make the cars faster. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so he always had like man them around him. He was into karate. And so he was cut. You, you know what I mean? Him. Like I would hear man come and tell me stories about how my dad kick up man out, out of road and that. Like, oh, did I you hear about your dad? You told me you told me a story once about your dad. I think it involved a chicken shop or a takeaway. It was a and Chinese shop. And he mashed up shop, a man or something. Yeah, two of them. It's like, yeah. How oh, do you hear about your dad? He was up the Chinese shop last night. I'm like, no. You know, it's like obviously them times then no, there was no mobile phones, there was no <laughs> yeah, no WhatsApp, no no, no Snapchat, that, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. And so it was like, yeah, yeah, man, kick man through the Chinese shop window. <laughs> it's, not, it's funny, but it's not funny. It's comical the way you yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't that's find how it comes because yeah, that's yeah, how yeah, it is when you're in your state, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah, everything yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is gossip. Yeah, everything exactly. Is yeah, yeah. Yeah, what happened to my man? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they're giving you sound effects and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing the kicking. You know, so he was into, that was his lifestyle. Mm. He was a raver, you know, them days, he was rolling with guys who like was in Rolls Royces and whatnot. Like, cause he was on the club scene and he was mm. done. So that looked all very kind of glamorous and appealing and, and dazzling, you know what I mean? Um, and so we got on generally, you know what I mean? Um, he was a, he's quite an easygoing guy, even though he's kicking man through window. Mm-hmm, he wasn't mm-hmm. a guy who went out looking for trouble. He wasn't an angry guy. He was a very jovial, everyone was his friend. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, and when I say everyone, he, he would refer to everyone as his friend. friend I remember friend, one friend, time friend, saying yeah. to my dad, dad, how is it you just call everyone your friend like they're your friend? And he's like, well, they're not my enemies and I don't want them to be. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And mm. I was like, well, makes sense to me, you know? Mm, mm. And so he was that kind of guy. Um, and I think the turning point in our relationship, funny enough, was when he became a Christian, even though he was anti-Christian. And I say that was a turning point in our relationship. Uh, st- stuff was going on and it was, it was challenging, it was difficult. Um, and he, there was somebody that he was with and they didn't take to me. You know what I mean? At this point, had you, was you a committed Christian by this point? No. Okay. He became a Christian before I did. Right, okay. No, uh, but I had more experience of church than he did because mm. he was never, ever, ever into church. Right. You know what I mean? Antichrist kind of. Absolutely. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and literally, he would go into church to mock the people in church. <laughs> right. Openly. Lit- little literally, Antichrist. Literally. So when he became a Christian, obviously, I was spun. I was just like, wow. So um, at that point, he... Like he, prior to that, he had some had someone he was in a relationship with, and they were kind of living together, and I was living as well. And but they didn't really kind of take to me, and so it was it was a bit tricky. And you know, th- he was he. It's not like he. It's it's not like he was um. Wanting to 
there wasn't a competition. I didn't feel like for him, there was a competition between us. But for her, there was a competition. Like, you know what I mean? She was like, she was competing with me. So then one day she just disappeared. And I don't mean disappeared from the planet. She just from out of his life, you know what I mean? So I, I'm a child. I'm, I know when things ain't my business, you mm, know what I mean? Mm, mm, so mm. I never really got into- The no certain question you don't ask yeah, mum yeah, or dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never yeah. got into no conversation mm. about, oh, where she, like, yeah. so you're not with her no more. And mm. da, 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 da. I never mm. even had the presence of mind. So, um, but things kind of just chilled a bit at that point. You know what I mean? And my, I remember my dad sat me down and we had a conversation and he really kind of acknowledged that I wasn't treated right. You know what I mean? And he was sorry for that and he wouldn't let no one come between us. Mm. And that, you know, even now, just it's the first time I've actually verbalized that conversation, but that's, I, I look back on that. And again, I think I say that to show what kind of relationship we had, mm, mm. you know what I mean? And um, how it was evolving and developing and deepening. Exactly. As life was, as real life was going on. Exactly, exactly. So then he became a Christian and that was like, ooh, wow. I never ever saw that coming because in my mind he had the life that everybody kind of, you know what I mean? Mm. Fast cars, popular. Mm, mm. Fast cars, you know fast I mean? girls, etc. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and again, he could, he could handle himself and so on and so forth. You know, it's not like he was rich, but he made his money mm. and it was legit. He wasn't having to deal with no shadiness or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, okay. And that's really seeing seeing him change, seeing him change really affected me, because I obviously I'd grown up in church hearing the words of scripture, hearing the gospel, mm. you know what I mean, and you know growing up in church, I grew up in an environment where they never pet to tell you about hellfire and brimstone, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm. You must come to Christ. Or else you will be lost forever. <laughs> Judgment come and mercy gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. it. Yeah. So we knew the fear of God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but seeing it outworked in his life made it live differently for me. Mm. And it kind of brought home that actually we all need Jesus. Mm. Going to church isn't enough. You know what I mean? Because I've been going to church all this time mm. and I'm watching him get baptized. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So I began to really kind of think, I was probably around 14, um, 13 or 14 at that time when he got baptized. Probably, yeah, 13 actually. But it really made me, I was, because I kind of grew up quite as an only child, I was very cerebral, very thoughtful mm, mm, in mm. my own head. He just got you and your thoughts and your grandma. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean? And so I would think about things a lot. And so that really got me thinking and then walking to school with one day, one day with a friend from the estate and I was like, what if the Bible, I, no, I said, do you reckon the Bible could be a hoax? This time I knew that it ain't, you know, mm. but it's like I needed to ask the question and I don't even remember what his response was because he never had nothing to do with church, let alone the Bible mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's almost as if I'm processing out loud, you know what I mean? And as I'm asking the question, I'm answering the, the answer to myself, there's no way that it could be a hoax and last so long mm. and affect so many people mm. and so on and so on and so forth. Mm. Now that's in my kind of, in my, there, there weren't no apologetics going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just in my Although own that, immaturity yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. reasoning. That's self-apologetics, you know I mean? isn't it? You get what I mean? 
And then um, I, I was at church. My dad, it was one of the early times when my dad was kind of restoring relationship with his mum, my mm-hmm. gran. Because obviously the custody case yeah. had kind of put a wedge between yes. them. And so um, we had attended her church and they had a, 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 an evangelistic crusade for the week. Mm. And um, I remember to this day the, the, the minister's name, Reverend Oka mm. from Ghana. Mm. I, in fact, I've mentioned his name a few times and people are like, yeah, my man's still going hard in Ghana. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they know of him. Mm. And um, he preached the gospel. And to be fair, it wasn't, any, it wasn't anything spectacularly different to what I'd already heard, but, it, but I heard it on that night. Mm. Mm. And I knew that I needed to come to the Lord to be made right, to receive forgiveness, and to be embraced mm-hmm, as, as mm-hmm. part of the, the, the family of God as one of his children. At 14, 15. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And I saw two kids getting baptized that were younger than me. One was nine and one, the other one was 12. And I was like, if they die tonight, they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. They, I could they're tell they had that assurance, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I went, I went and spoke to the pastor. I said, I want to get baptized. And he was like, all right, come baptism class next week. And I thought, is that it? No, no trumpets, no, you know <laughs> no I mean? angels rejoicing yeah, 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 loud. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. was the realness of it. And I'm, mm. I'm grateful for that to this day because mm. it's like, it was very matter of fact, you know what I mean? And um, that was my introduction on a personal level to walking with Jesus, mm. you know? Yeah, my dad's, my dad's salvation um, experience really kind of rocked me and led to me. Now, my dad passed a year ago and it's 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 interesting because you know in that moment you kind of reflect on a life lived mm, mm, mm. like you know there's few people in life that you can kind of look at and say i, I know their whole story mm, you know mm. what i mean and obviously for him i don't know his whole story but you know your version of, of his story exactly yeah. you know yeah, what i mean yeah. and so yeah just recognizing the way in which the lord worked in his life progressively over that 50 years you mm. know what i mean of my life mm. you know um it's it's, yeah, it's quite a thing to look back on you know the highs and the lows mm. but uh, accepting it all as a part of god's plan mm. and purpose you know what i mean and i see how god worked out his purpose in his life and dad lived in in america didn't he so yeah, it's interesting because when I was growing up, some of those times he was out of my life. He was living in America right. then. He was into martial arts and was a competitor. Mm. So he would be there touring and do, right. doing fight. This is as much as I could glean mm. even to this day. You know what I mean? Um, and then he came back to the UK apparently and settled. And then uh, about 25 years ago, so when my second child Chloe was born, he went and lived in the States again in California. Mm. And so, yeah, that's where he lived until he passed mm. um, recently. So, yeah, yeah. And was you two still in each other's lives? Did you see each other regularly? Um, during that time while he was living in the States, we didn't see each other regularly um, for obvious reasons, I guess, but we were we were in contact. You were yeah, good? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. We definitely had a difference of views when it comes to Christianity and and our approach to christianity in you know in, I mean? in 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 60 seconds what, what how would you sum up your difference in is there some easy fundamentals closed fist <clears throat> things or is it the open fist no no it was open say. it was open-handed stuff secondary mm. issues but he was very much um 
kind of so and I say difference because we we were both in the same space at one point um in terms of just being really um faith focused mm. um and not prosperity gospel because he, he never subscribed to that um but very much focused on the per the, the works of the holy spirit you know what i mean and i was very much in that space and then there were things i began to question as i looked more at scripture but he still was going hard in that vein, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. And so we would have conversations where we're just blatantly disagreeing. And in in some ways, our personalities are quite alike. And so that would be kind of frictious, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But not in a, not in a um, vexatious kind of way, mm. just in terms of how we would interact, mm. you know what I mean? It was two sparks to a flame, mm. you know? Mm. But um, we had, we had some yeah very entertaining conversations, mm. you know. Um, but that was him, you know. That was so uh, you didn't end up in the navy, I don't think. I don't. I don't I've never heard a navy story. No, from so you. I almost very very almost did. I went to London Nautical until I left. I went to Merchant Navy College mm. after that, mm. and it was only through they were closing the college down. I was trying to do three years there for H and D. They closed the college down after the first year. Uh, I was doing electronic engineering. Mm -hmm. And so I s went to South Lambeth College in Norwood. Mm, became, mm, mm. Uh, what did it become? Brixton College. Uh, uh, Lambeth College. College, Lambeth yeah, College. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Night's yeah. Hill. Yeah. Night's Hill, exactly. Mm. So yeah, that's where I went and done my electronics and then left that. But at that point, I'd become a Christian. And we started a Christian union in the college, me and a couple of brothers from the same church. And I just was growing an appetite for the Lord and serving the Lord. And so um, when I left there, I was like, I don't really feel like I'm given to a naval career mm. because it's more than a career, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's a, call, and it's it's a, some, it's a calling, it's a calling yeah, whether yeah, it's yeah. spiritual or not. 100%, if you yeah. get in the military, it's a calling because yeah. you, you eat, sleep and breathe that mm. life, yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so it, even if it was for a few years, that wasn't gonna be me, I knew that wasn't. Yeah. And so I went into sales and then, um, yeah, just really began to grow in my appetite for the word and sharing it with others and became very much an evangelist um, in different ways. And um, all of the kind of notions of Navy and even career were kind of just falling by the wayside. Mm. And it's funny because the, the career that I got into, if you like, was working with people. I, I got into into careers work and um, sort of job search training. Like and coaching and, and yeah, yeah, careers, careers coaching and, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. on. And so I was in that for a few years, but even while I was doing that part-time, I was going into schools and doing, you know, prison ministry and whatnot. Mm. Um, take using my annual leave and doing the mission week in schools. Mm and that kind of thing um, to share the gospel. So um, there was from early a sense of the Lord's hand leading me mm. to be much more sort of vocal as a representative of him. And active by the sounds of it. Absolutely, mm. yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. So at this point you're in your early 20s by the sounds of it, early mid 20s. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was, it, but yeah, before, so, um, I got married at 20. Um, that was going to be my next question. When did Judith come on the scene? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Now we yeah. need to rewind the tape. 
to your to 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 your, your late teen years. Where, so where, yeah, where, yeah. where where did you meet Judith? When did, when did she come along? So I met Judith in church. Um, so <laughs> what happened was I was at church. Church I grew up in in Brixton. And it's the church I still kind there of circle because back. Yeah, yeah. The, the college is closed there. down. Your, school, your hospital's is, closed down. Church is still okay, there, going right, strong right, right. by the, the grace of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, going strong by the grace of God. Brixton, New Tea, whole tight, all my New Tea family. Um, so many tremendous memories and such an influence in shaping me as a believer. Definitely. Amen. And so, um, yeah, it, it was. It was actually. It wasn't actually in church. Tell a lie. We met in a prayer meeting. Judith had just come to the Lord and um, people don't know that she's a twin identical twin so it was her and her sister that was in the in the prayer meeting in them times mm. and so they were one of my good friends friends from school and so Ruth our good friend who we all grew up in church together had invited them and been really ministering to them and you know what I mean and so anyway long story short Judith kind of was just much more ardent in her pursuit of the Lord and her sister was pursuing, but she was a, maybe a little more distracted. And so in some ways that kind of made the choice easy, <laughs> if I'm honest, because they're identical twins. So it's mm, like, mm. you know what I mean? So then, yeah, we just became friends. And to be fair, Judith didn't even like me like that. I think I was probably too much of a church boy, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Just the way I dressed. Bow tie. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, yeah, you were going to wear them shoes with them trousers kind of thing. <laughs> so you had no swag at that point? No, well, I thought I did, but obviously <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You had your own swag. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, she didn't like me like that, um, but we became friends. And I, friend zone wasn't really a thing them times there. So I wasn't really kind of concerned about that. Mm. And when your brothers and sisters, I guess... Yeah, yeah. In the Lord, you, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We had the same social circle. Mm -hmm, mm, and mm. we were all kind of moving together, going to concerts, prayer meetings, so on and so mm. forth. And then I went away for a convention and came back and she saw me differently. You know what I mean? What was the title of the convention? What happened in <laughs> <laughs> Who laid hands on me? Yeah, like, no. You know what I mean? He prayed over you, bro. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I, I just think, you know, the Lord... Opened her heart, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Took the yeah, veil yeah. from her eyes. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. And so uh, we got married at 20 and Kian came along, my first daughter at 21. You know, the Lord's really blessed us, he's kept us. Mm. It's um, 31 years now, almost 32. How did you end up leading a church? I met Rob uh, just before we got married. He had a Bible study in his house and it was the spot. Everyone in, it felt like everyone in South, any young Christian in South, them times was in my man's Bible study. Mm -hmm. It was just, the place was cork with young people mm -hmm. seeking God. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we were there and just check for the brother. You know what I mean? Genuine hearted, just very loving. You know what I mean? Very concerned for others and so mm -hmm. on and was obviously just trying to help people as he's helping himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Living walk with the Lord. Feeding people as he's feeding himself. You know what yeah. I mean? And so he he came to faith. He was He's a bit older than me mm. and came to faith maybe around the same time that I did. 
I think, yeah, but mm. from his own journey mm. Mm. and his own life experience. Mm-hmm. And so I had been kind of, I had much more of a church experience growing up and he had tasted of the world. Mm. Um, but there was something that we were able to offer each other, I guess, a, by a, way a of kindred, insight. Kindred spirit kind of. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean? And still had a heart for the streets, for the for the man them on the road, for the man them on, on the, in the blocks, for the, you know what I mean? It was that kind of sense Both of- Both from around the way. Yeah, mm. you know what I mean? And so that having that kind of kindred heart, like-mindedness with someone of who's a peer, mm. you know what I mean? And having that same desire and pursuit of God and you know, we sharpened one another. And then there's another brother who we met around the same time in that same Bible study, Patrick. So we just started to chill together, you know what I mean? And we would go to prayer meetings and Bible studies and, you know what I mean? We'd be out sharing the gospel and just any opportunity to rep the Lord, but not in a kind of like, oh, this is our duty. This is, it was just life, Mm. you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm And so we then began to pray about, ah, uh, is there maybe some way that we can do this to really effectively? And we like, uh, maybe we should set up a tape ministry and and like make videotapes because sometimes it was videotapes. Say, VHS. For some people, they, they're not going to yeah, yeah, tape yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. VHS tapes. <laughs> and so it was like, shall we do that? And then we kind of got involved in music and then that was it. We started to use hip hop as a ministry tool to kind of get people's attention and communicate the gospel. Mm. And so after doing that for a few years and having impact and seeing people really open to the gospel and people come into faith and so on, the church that we um, uh, ended up at together, Calvary Chapel, Pastor Brian Broderson, he was like, you guys need to start a Bible study. And we're like, you're mad. We see the way you man handle the Bible and we ain't ready for that. We're not you, man. You get what I'm saying? Mm. And he was like, no, 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 no. He's like, it will change your life. There's nothing like having a regular gig teaching the Bible with others, just sharing it and so on. And for us, it was, Robert, that's where I met Robert, you know what I mean? But it felt like it was a different thing that he was describing because from what we experienced in terms of- It sounded full Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, explaining the text, Mm. not just generalities and making stuff as, and just having Q&A the whole Bible study. And so we were like, whoa. And so they helped us just put us, gave us some direction, where to start, how to start, what resources, you know what I mean, how to approach. And they kind of basically just schooled us. And so they taught us observation, interpretation, application. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as you're observing, these are the questions you're asking. And this is how you allow scripture to interpret scripture. And then these are some of the resources that you can, I mean, we all knew about Strong's Concordance. And we felt like we were dons. We could do Greek word studies and Hebrew word <laughs> studies. We knew about that, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it's like, we felt that was, that's all we needed. Clever clogs, isn't it? <laughs> and then they'd start chat about commentaries and Bible dictionaries and so on. And we're like, huh, okay, hmm, all right. And then we, uh, you know, gave ourselves to it. And then as the Bible study was going, you know, one of the things I really admire and respect about the Calvary movement is they're a church planting movement. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, in terms of Calvary Chapel. Always trying to outgrow themselves and, and, yeah, yeah. Re- re- and replicate so themselves. The idea is that, yeah, right, you start a Bible study, but it may well become a church. Be open to that. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. And we weren't trying to hear that, but the Bible study was popping. You know what I mean? And so it was like, you man need to start a church. And like, yet again, nah. <laughs> That ain't for us, you know, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and he was like, well, what are you going to do with these people? Because 
we were going to church in in Victoria mm. and it's like, these are all these people in South London. Why are you expecting them to follow you to church? Mm. And there's nothing in South London like this for mm. them. And were they following you to church? A portion, a tenth, mm. you know what I mean? But then when we started the church, he was right. People started coming. Because for them, the church was what was them gathering around the word with you. Yes, exactly. In, in when we started the church, our brother Patrick, who started with us, was running an adventure playground in Dulwich on Dokkenny Hill. Yeah. So we started in there, you know what I mean? In like the, the meeting hut, in the games room. And that's where we started the church. And then from there, we went to Goldsmiths College to charter school, to St. Peter's Broccoli, and now in Lewisham. Putting up David Tent, wherever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we, we had quite a lot of years in Dulwich and then ended up in LCM, Lewisham. Mm. How did that come about, brother? So you, this is your first base as a church? Our, first, your own, our own building for the, the first keys. time. Brav. Got paid the electric bill. Come <laughs> on. You know what? And it's a thing where we were looking for a building at that time. We were sh space sharing um, with uh, C of E Church in Broccoli. And we just knew we needed our own space. You know what I mean? And so I had met Alan Black on a, um, reaching the Unreached conference some years before. And... Um, there was another brother, I think it was John Mark Robbins or Robbins, um, who we'd met and we were talking. But that we, at that time, it was never with the intention of, oh, we're going to you mm, know, mm. have our church in their building. But the, basically, the Lewisham Centre had got refurbed. Mm. And um, that's when they built the block. They built they the block. The centre underneath, right. Because the centre used to be across the road, a yeah. standalone building. And so they got a new space. And Graham had not long started at the mission. And he had this vision for the Pioneer program, which I don't even think it had a working title at that mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. And we would we had been doing some ministry training of that nature locally. And I don't know, I don't know how Alan heard about it or I don't know, but long story short, we got together and they was like, look, we got this building and you guys need a building, yeah? And we're like, yeah. And they was like, okay, and we need someone to come and help us start this program that's going to raise up and disciple. And you guys are doing that already. So look, if we do a deal with, on this building for you, will you come and do that for us? Do what you're doing, but come and do it for us. And, we'll, and we were like, well, sounds like a win-win to me. <laughs> You know what I mean? Barter, isn't it? For, and there weren't no haggling involved. Because everybody, everybody wins. That's, that was so you like, want to give us a building... And and then bring us on and give us a job. Bring us on stuff. Give us a job to do what we're doing anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, come now, <laughs> <laughs> come we go, brother. You know what I mean? That's literally how it was. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You know what I mean? And, but we said on one one condition: if you're serious, Adam Boyce has to come with you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Bruv, uh, anyway, you was one of the first batch. Yeah, I was. I was literally the come guinea pig. On, the Lord knew. Yeah, man. And. But it was a thing where if you if you are serious about raising up people from least reached communities, from deprived communities who don't have opportunity to get Christian development, formal education, and formal and, training yeah. in other contexts, mm. you have to recognize that you have to be prepared to pay them. So wait, so that wasn't on the that wasn't part of the thinking of the original concept. No, 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 no. no. And so we said, you got to be prepared to pay them. Otherwise, how's it going to work? Mm. They can't afford training anyway, mm. let alone to take time out to say that they're going to come and be trained. Mm. From, so take time off of their job and then have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. it's, you're, you're putting it doubly out of their reach. Mm. If you're really serious about this, you got to. And they was like, God will provide. Let's do this. 
Jeez. And when I heard that, I was like, yeah, man, right. let's go. <laughs> man like you, I can work with. Real safe. Let's you do know it. what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're ready to put with your money where your mouth is, mm, 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 you know? Mm. And that's a rare thing when it comes to investing in people who are in deprived communities, mm. you know what I mean? Because often they're not seen worthy of the investment. Like it's not an investment. It's it's like, you're, it's almost seen like you're throwing cash away mm -hmm. because you don't know what you're gonna get out of it. Mm. You know, at least mm. if you invest in like um, public school or people or so on and so forth. People who are already educated. Yeah, and they've yeah. got quote unquote more potential, mm. proven potential, then when you invest in them, you're gonna get a return it's on a your investment. Bet. You know what I mean? But if you're investing in someone from the road, it's like, are you gonna even see anything from that? Mm, mm. And Graham and Alan didn't flinch. They was like, yeah. And Graham was like, God will provide. And we was like, calm. Let's, mm, let's, let's, let's venture in faith together, brothers. Mm -hmm, let's mm -hmm, go, mm. you know what I mean? But was it was supposed to go past a year? Was it always, cause like now it's eight, eight, eight years later, yeah, it's yeah. a two year program. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Almany, if that's it, how you pronounce it, it wasn't, big it, it wasn't, um, alumni. it wasn't a pilot, right? It wasn't, let's do this for a year and see how it goes. Mm. It was, let's step out in faith and do this and trust that this is what God wants. Mm. This is, there's a real need for this, and here's an opportunity. Mm. And we all applied ourselves wholeheartedly. And part of that feeling that you might have felt in the first instance was the transition in the LCM. Mm as it relates to from what LCM was and the approach to training and so on and the people that they would work with mm -hmm. to what it was becoming, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It was a real transition mm, and definitely. I didn't even appreciate that because I hadn't been a part of LCM. Yeah, It's only in hindsight and when I speak to people that they note the transition that happened in LCM. Mm -hmm. And we can look season. back now after eight years and look, as you said, in hindsight, look back, at, right, we was actually part of this yeah, 187 yeah. year old organization minus eight back then when we started mm. part of this shift this this but it was a tanker and, mm, it, and mm, it took mm. time it took time and then the tanker's still shifting around mm. so from our point of view as, as far as me and rob are concerned we knew what was possible because we'd been doing it yeah and we knew what we were aiming for but we also had to work within the context that we were in exactly and and that was a you know it's a happy marriage and just mm. like any people that come together uh, in a in a new relationship, they got to learn one another, and they got to kind of, mm. you know what I mean, mm. learn to work together and so on and so forth. So, yeah, man, it's been blessed. So you 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 don't necessarily do the pioneer program anymore. And the pioneer program for anybody that's interested, I'm hoping at least one person is. It, it's a three day a week program, as you said, it's a paid program, and it takes people of any age. I remember when my vicar at the time told me about the program. He said, Adam, there's this program at London City Mission. It's new. You're probably too old, but apply for it anyway. And then when I got on the program, there was people like Ray who was way yeah. older than me. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm not Uncle the oldest. Ray was Uncle on, Ray, listen, remember Uncle Ray? Come on, man, like Uncle Raymond. So um, it's a three day week program. One day a week, you're getting lectures. You're learning about theology. You're learning about how to teach the Bible. You're learning about how to go out and reach people and start m ministries in churches, etc. You got a day a week where you're with your church and you are pioneering as we call it starting something new that's not happening in that church and you got a day week shadowing another missionary in the city and it's a great program and it was one year mm -hmm. and we complained after the first year this isn't long enough the, the, mm -hmm. so we was kept mm -hmm. on for the second year so now it's a two-year program so when you're taken on you're taken on for two years yeah but you're not necessarily involved day to day with the pioneer program even though ironically you used to in a lecture today mm -hmm. uh, what's your what's your role now at london city mission 
Um, That's so rhetorical because I know your role is. Yeah, yeah, of course. For the record. Yeah. Um, so I'm the director of training and mentoring and deputy CEO. So um, you now run the department that you started working in? I do, yes. I never thought of it like that. But um, all according to the Lord's will. Oh, and uh, amen, amen. And, and you know, the, the, the beauty of it is this. I run the department under the person who recruited me and was my boss. Mm, mm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so... Such is the humility of, of Alan Black. <laughs> uh, amen. Yeah. And so it, in that sense, it kind of shows me that, like, titles, what do they really mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? In a sense. Mm. What, and, and what yeah. should they mean? Yeah, you're right. Do you and, get what I mean? And when I asked you, what do you do? I wasn't asking that in go on, drop your title, deputy. No, no. Because I know I certain it, it people... It charts a journey, It charts it? a journey. Because yeah. you... And, and this is coming from somebody who's at Naval College as, as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And now you're, you're deputy of this mission organisation. You looked at your dad who became a Christian, thought, rah, dad's a Christian. And you are now mm. in the position where God has got you. So yeah. some people look at the title of deputy and think, ooh. And it is a title. And it is in, and with that title comes responsibility. Absolutely. But you're right. Um, talk about responsibility. <laughs> There's my son phoning me. Um, but you're right. It, what is titles? Yeah. And the, and the reason I say that is because Alan is no less the man than he was when he was my boss Bigger and he man. recruited me. Bigger man for both of us. You understand together. what I'm saying? And so it's not like I'm flexing on anyone. Mm. I just know that I'm here to serve. Mm. I'm here to play my part for such a time as this. Mm. And I have my contribution to make, which the Lord sees fits, is, is in this way. And that doesn't make me any better or any less. But like you say, fundamentally, I just have more responsibility right now. Mm. You know, mm. And it's, it's a blessing because there isn't any kind of sense of tension or conflict in our relationship in terms mm. of me and Alan. I love Alan. And yeah, I thank the Lord the ongoing partnership we're able to enjoy mm. you know what I mean um, but I think that fundamentally there's also a sense of credit I would say to LCM in having the heart and vision you know one of the things that people comment about LCM is that it is a very diverse staff team mm. Mm. you know what mm. I mean mm. Mm. and unusually so in evangelical circles mm, mm, mm. and that's not by accident there mm. is a there is that again that ongoing sense of really practicing what they preach really living what their values mm. suggest mm. they ought to you know and i've seen that consistently from the my first interactions and so on that level, it's a thing where I'm encouraged and I'm blessed and, you know, very appreciative of the Lord. So, you know, on that level, I feel like um, God's evidently at work and there's a way in which the beauty of the Lord's multi-ethnic bride is, is displayed in, uh, you know, just the, the community of staff here mm. at LCM mm. and in ways that are not just tokenistic or paternalistic, you know what I mean? But ways in which we're trusted, you know what I mean? As minority individuals, quote unquote, quote unquote, mm. you know what I mean? And just in terms of ethnicity, you know, there's, there's a level at which it's not just, to, you know, uh, we'll let you do this much and you just as long as you Here's do what an we inch, say, but don't take a mile. Yeah. You get what I mean? There's yeah. a there's a sense of mutual respect and love and appreciation and openness, mm. you know? Mm. So yeah, God is good. Brother, we I think 
we're gonna have to wrap it up because that's that's yeah. gone on. But I think there's there's, there's definitely a few couple, episodes. Couple, in this, couple more episodes for us to do. Yeah, 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 definitely. But thank you, brother, for um, finally joining me on on the on the Boise talks. Finally. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boise Talks podcast. You can find more episodes, how to subscribe to our podcast and mailing list, and other info at our website, boisetalks.com.